So hi everyone, it's Massimiliano from PNDS here and welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast. Today we're going to talk about the world of research, of PhDs in particular. Why would you do a PhD? How are these programs structured? And where are the career possibilities? We're going to try to answer these questions and provide you with some useful tips to steer your university choices in the right direction. Our guests are Giuseppe Futia, former PhD student at Politecnico di Torino, currently senior data scientist in the field of graph neural networks, and Marco Varrone, our former president and now PhD student in Lausanne. As usually, do not hesitate to ask questions and raise your hand to talk. In case you have no raise hand button, you have to update your Telegram app and join the chat again. Just as a side notice, this event is recorded and will be published on major podcast, podcast platforms really soon. So we can get started and I would like to ask uh, our guests the first and probably the most important questions of uh, the list of questions that are prepared and is why did you choose to do a PhD? Like what is the driving emotion, the driving reason that led you to embark in this journey, in this uh, very uh, special journey? So what, what's, your, what's your opinion, guys? Do you want to start this up? No, oh, please go ahead, Marco. Okay, so I did my my master in Politecnico, as many many of you, and I started working for my master thesis in in, uh, in a lab working on uh, bioinformatics uh, and computational biology, and it was something that I was already uh, always aiming for already from from high school, the application of data science and machine learning to to biology. At the beginning in high school, was uh, I was not thinking about machine learning because I didn't know what, what was it uh, yet. But uh, when I was working for my thesis there, I started to go into the, the research and academic aspect of, of the master thesis. And I also collaborating, collaborated with uh, what was at, at that time the tutor, my supervisor, but also the PhD student that was helping me in my in my research, and I fell in love with the research research process. I liked a lot the topic, but also uh, I liked a lot the the type of work that you do during the the academic academic research. And so the very uh, obvious way to to continue that process was to to start the PhD. The main reason was also because I found the lab and the group of, of people that I, I, I liked in terms of uh, collaborations because it was a, I'm in, a, in Lausanne, while before I was in, in Politecnico, but I already started collaborating with some people of the, of the lab in which I am right now. And I started to see that was a very good environment and the topic was very, very interesting. So it was more like uh, the re main reason was that I found the already the, the position that I was looking for it and I was liking uh, more than the actual uh, process of, of thinking about the PhD, PhD in general. So my, my reason is very, very specific. Actually, it is a very interesting question, Massimiliano, because the reasons behind any actions are, let me say, maybe the most important uh, part in, in any action, actually. Well, the reasons uh, that uh, for which I choose a PhD career, let me say, is that uh, I would like to have uh, a chat. I would like to have the chance to continue to learn new stuff, 
and doing this learning process in a freedom environment. Because uh, obviously in any case, when you try to find a new job, um, you can learn new things in, in any case, right? Because uh, from university, you learn some things, but you have to learn new things in order to apply for jobs and etc. But in case you have PhD and doing the research activities, you can learn new things uh, in a freedom environment represented by, by the university. And you can, let me say, compute your your journey, your path, uh, let me say, in, an in a structured way. Because at the university and research teams, there are a lot of people that are very smart and they can guide you uh, during this, uh, this process. And uh, you can stay at the same time on the edge. So if you want to learn something about uh, a specific application of machine learning, I don't know, in my case, in my specific case, uh, in, in graph technology, then you have uh, the opportunity to stay on the edge because you have the opportunity and the time to study all the new stuff, all the new approaches, papers, and uh, algorithms that are related to a specific uh, uh, that are related to a specific topic. So my personal reason and my personal feeling is that with a PhD, I had the opportunity to continue to learn in a very structured way and let me say in a freedom environment because when you do research okay sometimes you achieve some interesting results but sometimes you receive the let me say you do not achieve interesting results so uh, yeah it's not a, let me say a linear journey a linear path well that sounds very interesting like uh, exploring the the reasons that uh, led you to guys to, to choosing this path. And um, I would like to involve, uh, if possible, the audience here. Like, do you do you have some questions? Is that something you would like to ask to our guests about their reasons or uh, some doubts that you have also about their background? Um, do you have any questions? Would you like to say anything? I have, let's say, the, the opposite question. So. What scared you the most when you decided to pursue a PhD? So, so the, the let's say the opposite. So. And and in case how these type of things or questions? So the, uh, have you changed mind about that? Okay. Yeah. I, I can I can start from a point of view. So yeah. I have to say I was it's not. I was not particularly scared when I when I went to for for the PhD because as I said I was already knowing the the environment in which I was going to 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 work in the most thing that was uncertain about was about the will I be the the usual the usual problem that everyone has which is the imposter syndrome will I be good enough to be able to carry the research on my own what if i don't what what would happen then then of course you see that you are in some way followed and that nothing will work at the beginning of course so everyone has the same the same experience in which you everything seems to not work for years and and a lot of time you have a lot of ups and downs from all most of the people I, I talk to 
there's always some moments in which you you always think about maybe giving giving that giving up the PhD, but this is normal. This is the, the part of the of the research process. But then, as Giuseppe said in a, uh, a bit also, you know that you are in an in, a, in an environment in a university. You have other people around you that can help you. You have supervisor, other possible co supervisors, and you know that in some way there is always someone you can refer to and that can help you in the process and so on. So it was for me mostly that. Okay, actually. Uh... Uh, as uh, as uh, as Marco said, also in my cases, I was not so scared about uh, the, the the PhD. Uh, actually, uh, you have to make a choice, right? Because uh, uh, when you finish your master program at the university, you have to make a choice, and you have to decide if uh, make a PhD, and uh, or to decide if you go to to a company. So in that case, if you make uh, uh, decide to do a PhD you decide, uh, let me say, an uncertain situation because uh, in a PhD, you continue to study and you continue, uh, you start to make, uh, uh, you start to make research. And let me say that all the uh, these activities are not so, uh, so much considered uh, outside the, the university. So for instance, when you, then maybe we will discuss later on this aspect, but maybe, when you finish the PhD, uh, okay, you will have uh, a lot of opportunities, but uh, maybe some of the doors that uh, well uh, that were open when you finish your master program are now closed. So uh, the issue is that you have to make a choice, and uh, considering the uncertainty uh, behind uh, this uh, this choice, uh, you have uh, you have to do. Let me say. You need a strong motivation, right? So my suggestion in this case for selecting a PhD program is, okay, make you drive from your motivation. So ask you the questions that Massimiliano is doing to, to yourself, right? And then try to identify uh, the answer because uh, everything related to the answer uh, for which uh, you want to make a PhD. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I have a question regarding selecting the topic. Uh, in the case of Marco, I think Marco was lucky that uh, the, he fall in love with the master thesis topic that he was working on. And so for him, it was easy to uh, decide the continuation of the work. And in case of Giuseppe, what I understood that he wanted to be free to learn the topic that he wants. And my question is, what if that uh, you don't want to continue working on your master thesis, but you want to learn, you want uh, to do the research, but you have a problem to uh, decide about the topic that you want to spend years on it. Do you have any recommendation? Okay, from from my point of view, I have to say that my the topic of my PhD is still in, in the field of biology and computational biology, but it's quite different 
from what I was working on in the master thesis. So I'm not continuing my, my master, my thesis project. So I actually went to same field, but topic is quite, quite different. And so from my point of view, it's, it's something that I already mentioned in another episode of the podcast is for me, it's very important to understand, to, 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 to like more the actual group than the specific topic, because then the topic you can always shift it in some way, unless for my experience in which I had a lot of freedom in, in the, uh, in how I could frame my, my topics, my topic. In that case, you can always shift in a side that you will like more, that you're more interested into, and you will also re re result in better outcomes, usually, uh, because you're more passionate about it. So I would say care more about the topics in general in which the lab is working on, the, one, the labs in which you're interested into. And then when you're there, you can figure out how to frame different, uh, different possible projects on how to choose uh, among them uh, because sometimes you have freedom in choosing sometimes not but then you there is always some some gap that you can you can fill yeah uh, from my side uh, actually i totally uh, agree with marco and uh, if i had uh, if my if my may add this thing actually research topics evolve uh, actually really fast right so it's not uh, so easy to identify research topics because uh, in the next months uh, you are new research topics can emerge from the research community other topics go let me say in the dark side so no one may research from them so it's not uh, an easy uh, it's not an easy uh, aspect of the of the research the selection but actually from my personal experience i've noticed that making a phd i spend uh, let me say uh, the entire first year in trying to selecting a very well defined and very well specific topics right because uh, actually uh, during my phd i address some different issues related to knowledge graphs that are a well-known technology that is currently used for let me say recommendation for information retrieval for creating chatbots and this technology is employed um, let me say in different domains in different areas from medicines to let me say logistics or uh, economic transactions and etc but at the beginning uh, of my PhD, I did not have a clear idea of uh, what are the, let me say, possible research paths related to knowledge graphs, because many research paths are related to the automatic building of these knowledge graphs. Other research paths are related to the, maybe, maybe sometimes the stream of these uh, graph structure data. Other research, uh, research paths are related to the application of graph uh, uh, machine learning techniques on these uh, on these knowledge graphs and etc. So if you have an high-level high idea, you should find a PhD program that is, let me say, close to uh, this idea. And then in the first year, uh, maybe it depends on the on the research center in which in which you are. But in the first year, you have the opportunity to you have opportunity to define and decide what is, uh, let me say, your your specific uh, research topic. But actually, my suggestion start to have an eye level 
from an high level idea of what you what you like and then uh, uh, yeah try to identify the opportunities in order to create the conditions for better define uh, your your research topic and uh, etc yeah i mean i already saw this during my master thesis for example the the, the first three months of my master thesis were actually quite different what at the end end up to be my to be my project so we had a specific problem in mind at the beginning then after three months of hitting our head on this problem we understood that uh, probably was not was not worth it to continue and try to to keep going on that on that direction and we shifted the problem in a different way so it was not exactly the same the concept was similar the principle behind it were similar but it was a, a different project and then i saw that not always things work the way you expected so in that case problems and projects can evolve so may turn out to be very different from what you were uh, planning at the beginning so yeah can things can always change here and they're not uh, fixed especially in, in the phd Kutan, are you satisfied with the answer something else you would like to point out uh, no thank you thank you guys I think we have another question from Alessandro because he raised his hand. Okay, I had a question for Giuseppe. Could uh, you please elaborate more on the point you made earlier about uh, uh, the chance of losing some opportunity when choosing to do an, uh, a PhD after a master degree? Uh, and when more in general, how do you think doing a PhD could affect your career both uh, in a positive and negative way? Good question. Thank you, Alessandro, for the question. Well, actually, it depends from uh, from the companies because uh, uh, I have the experience, this direct experience with, let me say, HR or some companies uh, that consider a PhD, let me say, but these are specific situations, right? So no, they are not general situations, but from my personal experience, uh, they consider the PhD, uh, let me say, uh, a loss of time because uh, you spend uh, further years at the universities uh, instead of starting to work and start to have, uh, let me say, an experience in the working environment. Uh, so that's one of, of the reasons that, but maybe there are no the companies in which uh, that you have to consider when you, when you do a PhD, but you have to be aware that uh, this uh, situation can happen because uh, some companies and some HR offices and people consider, let me say, the PhD a lose of time, but maybe for their goals and for their feelings. And uh, actually, I lost your second question, Alessandro. Yeah, it was just uh, more of the same, meaning uh, I asked uh, how could uh, a PhD could, could affect uh, your career. So I think you already answered that. Thank you. Oh. Okay, but if I made something on this aspect, actually, uh, the impact for my career in, uh, in, my, in my current companies was completely positive because uh, uh, I have been, uh, let me say, this of this company because I have a PhD uh, and a specific topic, in particular knowledge graphs, 
I also try to, let me say, spread my research activities using Medium and other type of channels so people can let know what I did during my PhD. So for me, uh, the impact was completely positive, but we have to be uh, the PhD, uh, in particular, the years that you spent in a PhD in a bad, uh, in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was I was a little bit uh, I so sorry to interrupt Alessandro. I didn't know what if you if you wanted to say something more. No, no, I was just thanking Giuseppe for the answer. Go on, Marco. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so from my point of view, I was also very interested on what 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 you said, Giuseppe. Also because I'm still doing the PhD, so I didn't go uh, in the job world after the PhD. I did just a three four months period in a startup before joining the PhD. So I was also surprised by, by what, what you said, because it's something I, I heard a lot during the master. People saying, ah, but if you do a PhD, uh, you will be too specialized. Maybe this is something I, I heard. And then the company, then you, you will lose uh, opportunities in the companies. Then doing the PhD, from my point of view, of course, could be different from the point of view of a company. Uh, during the PhD, you actually learn a lot of skills which are not necessarily related to a specific topic of machine learning and so on that can change and in five years can shift. But you learn a lot how to manage your project uh, yeah. on your own, on to collaborate with other people, and also to to present, to write if you if you work on publications and so on, or from the code point of view. Uh, most of the time you have to manage your software on your own and if you I don't know, publish a package then you have to maintain it so it's also a component of software engineering so from my point of view you learn a lot of skills which are very general then of course some companies may may think it differently but maybe if they they think that your phd is not as valued as you think maybe it's not a company very well suited for for you at least this is my 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 honest opinion. Okay, guys. For the answer. Any more questions? Someone else wants to ask something about this uh, first point. All right. So sounds like we can move uh, to the next one. This first part was uh, very interesting. We actually covered also um, another important part, which is the career part. So that was uh, it was very interesting. Then I would like to ask another question to our guests, which is related to, let's say, somehow we talk already a little bit, but I would like to go more into the details. Like, what does what does a PhD do? Like, uh, what is your day-to-day? -day? Like, to have an idea. Because sometimes we think that PhDs uh, spend uh, maybe all their time in the lab. But do you, um, for example, do you also teach classes or collaborate in teaching classes? Like, what is your day-to-day? -day? I think this is also something that could be very interesting. Okay, I can give my, yeah, in this case, I don't have much uh, generic answer. I can talk about my, my specific case. So, uh, so I'm in a Swiss Swiss university. I mean the University of Lausanne. And so in in our case, uh, part of our time and also our salary 
is, is devoted to teaching, but it's a minor, extremely minor part of your of your PhD. So we'll talk about more about in a year or in months. Uh, in general, how much was the percentage of of time that is dedicated to certain activities? So I would say that maybe. 10% of the time is devoted to, to teaching, even less sometimes. Like I'm in the first year and I I followed, uh, I, so to speak, taught in a, in, a, in a course in which I was following groups that were working on, on a project. And this was more or less 5-10% of my time in, in, the last, in the last year. Then there is a lot of part of uh, studying the, the 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 field in which in which you are, uh, similar to literature review, and keeping up with the with the uh, with the topics that you are studying, and I would say maybe this is 20 percent of of my time, and then some courses to follow, which is other 10 15 percent of my time, and the rest is research. It's being at the computer, whatever, at my home or in a lab, or meetings with with possible collaborators, with my supervisor, with uh, the rest of my lab in general. And so I would say that a great chunk of my of my work is on the actual research project that I'm that I'm working on. Um. Okay, uh, actually, Marco said uh, I have a very, very similar experience. So basically, you can see that uh, your day to day activity uh, evolve uh, during the time. Uh, so during uh, the different years, because at the beginning, you spent a lot of time uh, reading papers, reading surveys, because as I mentioned before, you have to define also uh, the research. Uh, the research question, the goal of your research, uh, the specific research topic. So you need uh, to, read, uh, to read a lot, to study a lot, uh, and also to talk a lot with people. Because uh, in many cases, when you do not have a clear idea, you have to spend some words, some time with uh, your supervisor and the researchers that are located in the same in your research lab in order to, uh, let me say, well-defined. Because uh, uh, you have to do this stuff at the beginning, uh, in the first time, in the first year of your PhD, because later on you do not have, uh, let me say, uh, many times or many opportunities to completely change your, your, uh, let me say, your choice, right? And uh, in the in the second year, my personal experience, I spent. Uh, uh, most of my day in order to create something new in the research in the research field that I want to uh, that I join and the research field that I study during my first uh, year. Uh, so I spend much of the day, most of the day, in developing stuff and uh, also try to participate in uh, conferences uh, in order to let me say, create new contacts with uh, the research communities from other from other universities. And then the third year, uh, let me say, I spend a lot of time uh, during my day job to wrap up the research. So to, let me say, 
achieving the, my final results and then prepare the, the PhD thesis. Yeah, because uh, uh, actually, maybe we, we, we will discuss it later on, but there are also uh, the duration of the B, of the PhD is different from uh, from uh, from a country to another country. So, we, in your day-to-day -day activity, you should have also to consider uh, these specific aspects. So, let me say the entire duration of of, your, of the PhD. Yes, for example, in in Switzerland, where I'm right now, uh, a PhD is at least four years, while usually in Italy is three. So your first year is more likely to be focused just on studying the, the problem and your field. Um, and then the, and also following courses so that the remaining years, two, three years, you have more time to actually dedicate in, in, the, in the actual project. But what you said seems, seems similar to, to my situation, but in my case, you have a little bit more time to, to develop your uh, your your idea and your your work. Yep. That was very nice, guys. Any more comments? Any questions from the audience? Remember, we're very happy if you join in. Uh, we have we had a very nice interaction until now. If we can keep that going, that would be amazing. So don't be shy. Sounds like we can move to the next topic. And we've already touched a little bit this topic. And uh, I'm talking about the, our PhD can be perceived in industry. And uh, I would like to add to it a little bit because uh, whenever you're doing a PhD, it's not only industry that you can pursue, but there is also academia. Uh, so, uh, how, how would you describe the possibility of a PhD in academia and maybe if you want to also elaborate more on the, uh, on the possibility of a PhD in industry, like what would you say about this? Okay, I, can, I cannot say much about the PhD in industry because I didn't have much experience with it and I also don't know many people who are doing PhDs in industry and I heard very different different opinions about it. Uh, when I was in Milan, I heard that maybe PhD in industry are not valued as much as PhDs in the university and academia. But it may it's, it came from people who uh, would not I would not uh, would I would not consider it uh, for sure as a as a possibility. It's something that I just heard. Also, because here in Switzerland, for example, you can have PhDs in industry and they're valued as much as a, as a PhD, PhD in, in university. So for that, I had always contrasting opinions about, about it. And uh, about um, PhD and the fu your future after the PhD and stay in academia, then I can say more because I learned a lot in the last, in the last year. So usually the usual path, if you, if you want to stay in academia, is after a PhD to, to start what is called a postdoc, in which you're still doing uh, research, maybe you supervise more other students or PhDs, and also you're not considered so much as a student anymore, so you don't follow courses, 
uh, anymore. So, and you don't have a thesis that you need to carry on and to complete. Um, so you have more time focused on the actual research and maybe on teaching, which may, may increase. And then after that, the postdoc can last uh, many, many years. Uh, sometimes you have a limit in the amount of years that you can do uh, for a postdoc in the same place, and so maybe you have to move if you want to continue a postdoc somewhere else. And then there is the usual academic path, which is what is called tenure track, in which you can then become uh, associate, assistant professor, associate professor, and then full, full professor. But this is a very long discussion and long topic, and also doesn't touch us very in the immediate Path, so I will not go too much too much into it. And so in my field, in which it's more related to biology, it's more common to stay in academia after doing after doing a PhD. Me personally, I'm not sure I will. Uh, I'm still I from my my experience in industry in the three four months before the uh, before the PhD, I really really liked it. I also like academia, but could be a stressful a stressful environment. I have to say, especially doing tenure track, when you you do the path to become to become professor, and doing research doesn't mean that you have to stay in academia. There is there is plenty of companies that are, uh, do valuable and very interesting research uh, without the necessity of staying staying in the university. So there are many many uh, occasions in which you can uh, you can do research. And also, I have to say, from my experience in my university, when we were, for example, evaluating professors for uh, as a committee, a student committee to evaluate uh, new professors for for our department. Of course, there are also other committees that are have a, a much more saying than us uh, on this. But we were, for example, evaluating how much they will consider only academy, uh, um, academia as a future path for for their their students. Because from my experience, sometimes uh, since professors are already in the academia environment, they tend to think that is the only option after a PhD. While uh, it's important that your supervisor uh, maybe guides you to both possible ways, uh, because there's two uh, totally equivalent paths that you can take uh, after, after your PhD. Uh, okay, well, if I may add uh, something uh, in regards to what has been mentioned by, by Marco, well, I think that a PhD in industry, so a PhD actually did at the university, but involving a, an industry partner could be, let me say, a, a good solution, for instance, if you do not have a clear, uh, a clear result because uh, the, the, the industrial partner can in some way guide you uh, uh, during the, your, your research activity in some way, but uh, the other, the opposite side is that you lose a bit of freedom, right? Because you are doing uh, your PhD in collaboration with a partner, an in, in, in industry partner that have also some expectations. Uh, so we have to consider also this fact that if you select a PhD program in which a company is involved. Actually, I know that for instance, at the Polytechnico di Torino, uh, let me say some of the funding uh, of the funding staff uh, is provided by some companies. So the funding for, for PhD for PhD programs. 
uh, in regard to the you know, what you what you will do after the PhD well you probably know that the situation here in Italy is not so let me say bright uh, because but this also involves uh, also I think the other countries in the world because the number of uh, tenure track positions that are let me say the positions that allow you to become professor are very let me say there are there are few compared to the number of PhD programs that are currently activated. So maybe there is one to 10. So uh, you have a one tenure track position for 10, uh, for 10, uh, let me say PhD graduation, graduation or something like that. So you have to consider also this aspect if you want to make and continue your career at, at the university. But uh, as uh, mentioned by Marco, after the PhD, you can do, let me say, uh, a postdoc period, okay, in which you have to do have a lot of research, uh, you have to publish a lot, you have to create uh, a lot of connection with other researchers. And uh, during the postdoc, at least here in Italy, you have to wait some, uh, uh, you have to wait for, uh, let me say, public competitions, right? Uh, because this public competition gave you the opportunity in order to access uh, to positions in which you become an employee of the university. Because when you do the postdoc, you are not considered, at least here in Italy, an employee of the university. So you have to do a lot of research and then you have to participate in this uh, uh, public uh, uh, in Italy, we call it uh, uh, concorsi pubblici, and uh, during uh, these public competitions, you are evaluated on, on the research that you were able to produce, and you compete with other postdoc researcher to achieve this. Uh, uh, let me say uh, to win uh, the public uh, competition and achieve to and become an employee of the university. And so after you become an employee of the university, uh, you have to continue to make research. And uh, after, let me say five or six years, try to compete in another, uh, let me say, comp in another public uh, competition in order to access to the, te atten to the tenure track. All right. And in general, from the end of the PhD, to uh, an access uh, to the tenure track, you should uh, spend uh, uh, not more than 10 years because uh, after 10 years in general of research, if you didn't get a tenure track position, you cannot continue your research, your research activity at, at the university. So the uncertainty that we mentioned at the beginning of our discussion should be also considered in, in this path because at the end of the process, after 10 years, if you didn't get a tenure track position, then you cannot stay uh, at the university, at least in Italy. So you cannot join any other universities uh, here in Italy. So yeah, consider also this, uh, this situation when you have to make your, your choices. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know specifically about that because I uh, I had the feeling that here in Switzerland could be could be different. Like the the limit of ten years, I've been 
successful researchers which still at 40, 40 years, years old uh, they're not in tenure track or they didn't get uh, still the, the, the tenure uh, but still this is this is not a problem you can you can still get it after so uh, I would say could be this one this thing could be different from from country to, to country yeah I know yeah. that uh, this is a uh... sorry sorry Massimiliano no no please go ahead I know that this, uh, the current situation in Italy was, uh, let me say, defined by a law from the uh, Minister uh, Gelmini. I don't know if you remember, or if you ever heard his name, that removed, let me say, uh, the full-time and permanent position for, let me say, traditional researchers. So in order to stay at the university here in Italy, at a, at a certain point, you have to become professor because there are no no more positions related to full permanent researchers. So you have to, let me say, reach uh, uh, the, the professors. Guys, do you have any more questions? Do you want to ask something on this matter? Uh, are you curious about something? Well, then it looks like we can move to the next and last point for this podcast session, which uh, involves uh, a little bit um, the matter of how to get into a PhD. Like, what is the what is the process? How does it work? Like, uh, this could be an interesting comparison also between Switzerland and Italy. So, to conclude, I would ask this question to to our guests for today. Yeah, this is a very interesting question, also because I feel that. The answers may be different. Uh, even inside Switzerland, the, the the way to get admitted for a PhD may be different. So, from my point of view, um, I there was open positions in what is called quantitative biology program of my of my university, which some some of the the professors were uh, advertising and were uh, offering uh, positions. In the inside this program, and was also a very interesting way to to approach the whole um, the whole process of the of the admission because uh, I needed to collect the data about anything about my uh, previous uh, studies courses during the the bachelor master the master thesis and the the all these this information but then uh, the uh, we had some some interviews on site, so I went I went to Lausanne in December 2019, and it was very interesting the way in which they set it because uh, they did um, all the interviews for all the professors uh, all together. So in this way, I met also the other candidates also for um, labs that I was not interested into. But it was very nice because I could already interact with people and meet people that then got accepted and st stayed in Lausanne uh, as me. And so it was already a good way to to get into the into the uh, Lausanne environment. And then uh, each professor had uh, did a presentation uh, during these three these three days, so that you could also discover maybe other professors that you were interested into, so that you could also apply for them. And for example, in this case, I also 
noticed that one other professor was doing something interesting that maybe interest interest me, and so I also applied applied for him during the uh, during the whole three days. And at the end, most of the um, the process of the of the admission was speaking one to one with the professor that I was um, I was interested into. Um, so could be more like motivational, could be also test you on things, but it's less common. Um, but usually something that is very related to, to what you're going to do or to your master thesis. And then was more the more official part was, was actually a presentation that I needed to give on a project that I worked on. And of course, in this case, most of the people choose the master thesis. And so I presented my master thesis. I needed to, so to speak, defend it. So it was similar to the process of, of your thesis defense, but of course uh, there is less people and, and uh, it's, it's usually shorter. And so in this case, there were three professors which were interested into following my, my presentation. I needed to discuss it, defend it, and then I got accepted by one of them, which is the main one that I was interested, uh, interested into. And there was no public uh, competition. Uh, was mostly specific on this on the positions that were were open in in that university. And most of the most of the weight of my of my admission was based on the of the presentation that I gave uh, about the, the the my master thesis. So maybe this uh, could be could be different from what, what is the Italian Italian experience. Uh, in that case, um, could be, uh, I think there, there is some differences from what I know based on in Italy, what is the funding of your, of your PhD. If it's a public funding, then you need to do a public, uh, what yeah, uh, I was saying before, a public competition. Uh, in that case, you have different people who pay for you uh, so it's the state who is paying for your for your phd or it could be private and more related to funds that maybe the the professor in a specific lab has and in that case uh, maybe the admission could be could be different i have to say i've never never uh, done um, any application for phds in italy so i cannot say much about that and also, I think that Giovanni maybe lost connection or something like that because I don't see him in the, yeah, the group. Yeah, I think uh, I think so. He must have lost uh, the connection. Yeah, no, oh, I see that. Uh, that's cool. Like, uh, do you have any any more questions, like about uh, the PhD experience uh, in um, in Lausanne? Okay, we have a question. Federico, can you speak? So, um, I wanted to ask, you mentioned now about uh, the funding, but also earlier you mentioned about becoming an employee of the university. What is the difference between mm, those two options? Like, okay. uh, are, are both paid positions, is only one a paid position, and in case they're both paid position positions, how are they different? Mm -hmm. Okay, so what, what, what Giuseppe said that uh, he mentioned that um, being employee of the university means that the university is paying for you. 
until you retire, basically. Similar to what you would get in a, in a, if you had a state, a state position in a state uh, office and so on. But usually, uh, for example, if you are a postdoc or if, uh, also if you are a PhD, most of the time, uh, you may rely on the fundings that you get that is usual could be coming from from you because maybe you applied for a for a grant or something like that. This could be could happen in in, in postdocs and PhD postdocs is, is more often, or by grants that your professor your supervisor um, submitted and got accepted and got funding from could be a private company could be a, a state agency uh, and other other entities so in one on one side if you got tenure and you're in a stable position you're you're uh, paid by by the university and you don't risk on finish your grant your grant money and not be able to 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 continue working where for postdoc uh, sometimes professor have money for uh, five four years and they say okay i allocate this money for a postdoc position that will last here for four five years, then, for example, for for the PhD, uh, can be the same. And I've, I know um, about um, colleagues, other PhDs who are doing a PhD and would not be able to continue further because the grant of their supervisor is finishing uh, at the same time they are finished the, finishing the PhD. Then maybe you can. Uh, submit other grants and get, get other funding but of course you don't have the certainty that you will uh, you will find the money to, to go but usually the way professor allocate uh, or offer position uh, is because they know that they have, they have enough money to fund the a postdoc or a phd for a certain amount of, of time is that answering your question federico uh, yeah, I'd say it is. Uh, I would also like to ask um, another question, which is more or less um, when you say that professors allocate uh, some part of a grant towards uh, um, a PhD or something like that. Mm, I know that this is kind of a, a tricky question, particularly here in Italy, but like on average, how much would that be? So your question is how much a PhD get paid in Italy? Yeah, more or less. Okay. So from depends also this one on the funds of who is paying you and so on. And maybe Giuseppe can can give a better better answer for that. Yeah. I would say it's yeah, okay. Maybe maybe Giuseppe you answer. No, sorry, you're, you're no, no, sorry, sorry, Michael, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay, think then so, I, but... I can I can say what, what is what is my impression and what I heard from from people so it could be around uh, between 1200 to 1600 then it could also depend of if your phd is in um is in collaboration with the with the company or not because in that case also the company can contribute to to your salary and maybe can can also increase but i leave i leave the word to giuseppe no actually uh... I, I completely agree with you, Marco. The, let me say the numbers that you mentioned are totally correct, uh, because uh, I know that in Italy, for law, uh, 
you have to receive as a PhD student uh, uh, at least 1,000 euros, right? But in general, the university try to, let me say, uh, add something, but it depends from, from the university because, uh, for instance, in the case of uh, Politecnico di Torino, I can, I have to say that my, my personal payment was around 1,400 euros. I don't know, for instance, and see if the at the Politecnico di Milano is better or not, but yeah, these are in general the, the payments, and uh, yeah, so you have to consider also this aspect. Actually, in any entry level position, at least in Turin, this is uh, the 1,000 uh, and 400 euros is the your entry level payment also. In, in companies, for instance, in companies such as, uh, let me say, uh, Accenture or Apply, but I, want to, I don't want to spend much words because I do not have a direct experience in that. Thank you very much. Okay, guys, any yeah, more Yeah, you questions? do not have to, do, to make a PhD for money, right? Yeah, I wanted, uh, it was the topic as before that Giuseppe uh, lost the connection and wanted to to hear his input. So they, uh, Massimiliano asked about the process of admission for the PhD. And I, I guess it's, it's, it was a little bit different between Italy and Switzerland. Yeah, actually I can speak for the Politecnico di Torino and in my personal case, but actually I think that it's the same process. In general, you, let me say, send a specific documentation with your CSV, with the title, of your master thesis and eventually uh, uh, some of publications that you did uh, uh, during your master, maybe it's not so common, but sometimes happens. And uh, after this, uh, uh, let me say, initial evaluation of the documentation, you make uh, an interview inside and uh, you discuss, uh, let me say, your idea of research in terms of what you like to develop during your PhD. They want to evaluate in this interview also your, your personal motivations. And then uh, after this interview process insight, uh, the commission gave a rank. And uh, in the first positions, uh, some funding is assigned, uh, is assigned considering the, the funding availability. And then the others actually, can do a PhD if uh, the professor accepts you, but in that case, uh, uh, you should have to make a PhD for free, right? Because I don't know in other countries, but in Italy, uh, you can do a PhD for free, uh, but let me say it's not a very easy situation because you have to do a lot of stuff in your research activity, but you are also identifying other sources of, of funding. But this is a possibility. But uh, yeah, in general, the best situation is that uh, you, as, uh, as the situation of Marco, that you already did uh, a master thesis uh, with a professor, and then uh, you, let me say, start uh, this, to discuss with this uh, professor that you want to make a PhD because uh, in the ranking, they also consider these particular situations in which you already know who will be your, your professor and etc. So, but in general, 
uh, the documentation is evaluated and actually I have the opportunity to receive a grant from the Ministry of Education of Italy uh, because actually I stayed in university some years before making a PhD working as a, as a, res, as a research fellow and during these years uh, I let me say wrote some uh, some papers so when I made the uh, when I try to join a PhD program I have uh, let me say good uh, good starting points right because I had my master thesis but I also had some uh, already available publications and they were being considered in order to evaluate uh, uh, my, my situation actually any questions guys any any comments what does it mean to be a research fellow um Okay, it's, uh, let me say, another opportunity uh, at the university and uh, because you can, let me say, stay at the university without doing a, a PhD. And so you have this, let me say, temporal contract that is related to, to, to funding opportunities in which you can stay at the university without a PhD, but uh, you don't make any step in the research career. If you do this, uh, let me say, you can consider it a sort of uh, postdoc, but before the, the PhD. So you can spend some years, uh, maybe I suggest you to spend at least one year of research fellowship in order to understand what is the research and then um, uh, try to make a final decision before uh, before applying to a PhD program. But you have to consider this stuff that uh, if you spend all the time, all the years that you spend a research fellow uh, before doing a PhD are subtracted to the, let me say, to the postdoc and etc. So in some cases you, uh, you lose years before uh, applying the PhD years that are necessary after the PhD program in order to create the condition to uh, win a specific uh, public uh, con uh, uh, competition, right? So, yeah, it's uh, maybe a limbo situation, uh, but let, you can consider that uh, if you have the opportunity to stay in a lab for one year and then decide if you want to make, um, if you want to apply to a PhD program after these uh, years spent in the lab. There was also someone else. I think there was another question. Yeah, hi. Hi. Yeah, I wanted to ask. In your application for the PhD, you were requested to send some recommendation letters. And if yes, how important they were? Okay, I can, I can go. Um, so yeah, I was asked to, to send some recommendation letters. I don't know how important they were, so I also don't know if my recommenders were actually contacted by the university. I don't think so, I have to say. So I don't think they're 
that's important where that's important in the process of my of my application um, also because i didn't come in contact with many people during my master thesis except for my supervisor who could actually uh, be good candidates for for as, as recommenders so i needed to send some emails even to uh, professors or researchers i collaborated with but just briefly uh, maybe in some summer school for one or two weeks and some of them even said no because i don't know you enough and so it was a little bit hard to find recommendations but there is always someone who is willing to 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 write something for for you even if they you don't collaborate so much so much with them so i will not be too worried about this uh, in our case you could ask ask of course to your master thesis supervisor but you could ask also to to some professor i did you did some project with or to professor to which you had a good grade and at the end you will find always someone willing to to write something for you more questions interactions uh, like uh, any ideas marco you would like to add something else yeah no nothing nothing specific also because i think there is still a lot of other topic that you could touch but maybe we can we can do in another in another time because there is a lot of other possibilities that we, we could talk about like i already mentioned a bit like between the difference between assistant associate or full professor but also going more towards the full academic environment. A lot of things that I didn't know uh, also during my master thesis and I started to, to get more familiar with it. What is the process of the peer review? Uh, what is a preprint journal and how do they work and why the preprint journal exists? Or even what's the difference between a conference and a journal? and why most of the machine learning publications are in conferences and not in journals, or we already mentioned what's a tenure track and so on. There's a lot of possible other topics that will be interesting to touch, but we can uh, we can do it for another time. But just to, to spark out some, some possible other uh, ideas and topics that uh, maybe people can, can ask about in the, in the, for the next episode. Yeah, okay. Uh, actually, as I uh, just to conclude, the, the main idea is that uh, I don't know if the recommendation letter are very important, but yeah, let's consider uh, that uh, uh, taking into consideration the professors uh, that uh, with which you have created your master thesis and etc. Maybe, I don't know, you want to try to text uh, very quickly the concept and we can uh, we can uh, express it. Maybe Marco can do the final wrap up. Yes, so I hope that all with, with all discussion about the academic part, which could be different, sometimes there is lack of money and so on, uh, you will not get discouraged into the idea of the PhD uh, because speaking from my personal experience it's a very very useful and and uh, interesting and and also uh, very can help you a lot in growing uh, as an experience uh, the PhD so I'm totally 
uh, happy about about my de- decision of, of pursuing a PhD. Uh, so it's a possibility that that you could you could consider it either in Italy or or outside. And even if you don't, then you don't want to pursue the academic academic path. Uh, still, a path which is very very worth uh, considering. Okay, guys, I think we are at the end of this podcast. It was uh, very long, but I think extremely interesting. I would ask the audience if you have some conclusive questions. Uh, otherwise, uh, um, I would say goodbye to everyone. Well, looks like we can actually close. So I would like to thank uh, a lot Marco and Giuseppe for being here today and for giving them, for giving us, uh, for sharing with us their experiences. I think it was really amazing and I hope it helped you and I will see you in the next podcast, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.